You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, are we going to do this as a best two out of three podcast? <laughs> I'm still laughing, honestly. You just told me I did not see this news. So I'll let you uh, really explain this. But the, the Sydney Presidents won a best of three grand final. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's well, that's apparently what's happening. The chairman of Sydney's two AFL clubs, according to Real Footy, uh, have called on the league to make radical changes to the grand final, which would see the decider turn into a best of three series and taken beyond the code's heartland. So there you go. They want a, a best of three uh, best of three series. Uh, apparently, this is from the the, the GWS and the Swans uh, chairman, the MB, uh, the NBA, the MCG hosting one of the games, but then moving some of those other games to other to other areas, making it more fairer for non-Victorian clubs. Uh, apparently, so that's uh, that's coming out this morning. Of course, the um, backlash of this is going to be ridiculous if if uh, teams won't, uh, won't if if fans and teams won't. Uh, except Collingwood wearing other, anything other than black and white stripes, they are not going to be happy with this. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I'm not surprised that you nearly said NBA there, or you did say NBA, because I, I don't understand what we're trying to do here. This is AFL. I don't know why you would ever want to have a best of three grand final. We go through the home and away season. We've spoke about the fact that they could even up a, a few things there. Uh, I still think the right number of games, if you can get in the, the correct number of teams there is 19 if you get an extra couple of teams and then you play through the final series and it is what it is and i understand that uh you could even things up there's no doubt you could even things up by playing grand finals in different states and no doubt this year is going to fuel that a little bit but best of three it's just ridiculous yeah i'm not here for a best of three considering that yeah the the teams a lot of the teams that are in the grand final only play three finals games anyway like they'll, they'll, yeah, they probably win their first right. week. It might have a week off, and then come back play the the preliminary final in their back. Well, it's only two games, and then to play play three grand final games. That doesn't seem like how we want to um, how we want to do things. But I do agree that um, yeah, moving the grand final around is probably in the best interest of everybody. Probably not 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 me because I live in Victoria and I could go to games <laughs> at the MCG if my team is playing there. But I think in terms of fairness, it doesn't need to go to well, whoever is the highest ranked team gets the grand final. I think it maybe should just be a a rotating type scenario. Your, your stadium has to have a certain level of um, yeah, facilities and capacity. You wouldn't want to go play it at Metricon, of course. But Optus and Adelaide Oval, and you know, get the Gabba to get some sort of refurbishment going, and then we can, we can talk about that uh, as a an ongoing thing. But I do agree with part of what they're saying, but the best of three, I don't think so. GMHBA Stadium, beautiful grand final <laughs> down there. That'll be fantastic. Hey, a few bits of news that have come through last night as well. One of them, Andrew McGrath, we saw him uh, was sort of laughing the other night at the fact that he had to get around the boundary on crutches before they would start the game. But looks like he's going to miss at least six weeks. As far as Essendon go right now, and we can get into last night's result as we go on here, but now they're six points out of the top eight. So it's going to be difficult for them as it is, and they have got a tough run home, including Geelong this week. So big blow, and he's he's honestly come of age this year. I've said this. He's been a guy that's been on the periphery the last few years, been playing well, 
but this year really went into the midfield, became their main guy, particularly when they were missing Dylan Shield for a time. We know that they've had uh, Dyson Heppel uh, all season long, basically, out with injury. So it's been a monster year for him, and uh, it's a bit of a shame to end it this way. Yeah, that's probably going to be the end of his season. Again, it's hard to see Essendon making it making it in. They are six points adrift at, at this point. So we look like we're down to maybe 10 teams looking for the final eight spots. Uh, Essendon could still get there, but as you said, their percentage is horrible. Uh, although that doesn't really matter unless it's coming up against Collingwood because of the draw. And their run home isn't easy as well. So that is uh, it's a double blow there for Essen, who had a couple of you know, positive returns with Danaher and Heppel returning, and now to lose McGrath, who, as you said, probably has been their best midfielder this season. It's going to be a tough blow to overcome. Jack Steele, the other one. We talked him up a couple of weeks ago. It might have been last week on the podcast. He's had a fantastic season. He plays the run-with role. He also wins plenty of the footy, over 22 disposals per game. This season, 11 contested possessions, five clearances. He's been a monster for the Saints, and they've signed him for another two years. Yeah, that, that's big because he has been one of their most influential midfielders. And as you said, just being able to handle a multitude of roles, shutdown roles, yeah, is second. Um, yes, that, that second midfielder or some sometimes first attacking type midfielder. He has always been a huge. Yeah, tackle sort of a play. He was first in the league in tackles last year per game. He's up in, in fifth at this point, but he's ninth in handballs. He's a top super coach guy, top contested possession guy. Yeah, lots of uh, positive numbers from Jack Steele and good to get that um good to get that contract extension locked away. Well he's in that he's in that games bracket. I remember to the very uh, remember back to the very start of the season, I was talking about guys that potentially could break through and and sort of put themselves on the radar as potential future All-Australians. And a couple of guys that I put in the bracket from around that 50-game mark that this year might be the year they take a step and then next year look for them to really stamp their influence. I, I think I mentioned Ollie Florent as one of those. I don't think that he's... He started off really well. I think maybe he's dropped off a little bit for the Swans as the year's gone on, but still is in that next year bracket. So he's played 92 games now. And if you look back and guys like Dustin Martin and Paddy Dangerfield... These types of players, their first All-Australian honour came around that mark when they'd played a, a bunch of those games. Actually, I think Dusty Martin was a bit more than that, but uh, a lot of the star players between 75 and 120 games is when they get their first All-Australian. Where do you think he is in the mix for this year? Obviously, there's a ton of good midfielders that are going to be there, but still has been the best for St Kilda. I think, he'll, I think he'll be up there. I think he'll certainly get in the squad, the 40-man squad, that is. Yeah, I, I don't think that he makes the 22, but... I'm not even sure that he's an absolute lock for the 40-man squad. He probably is. And again, if he appeared in that 40-man squad, I don't think anyone would have any uh, any qualms with it. I think he'll, he'll, he's got probably a you know, 55%, 60% chance of getting that 40-man squad, in my opinion. But um, you're getting into that next level, into that 22-man group is probably going to be harder. So the first of the games last night, and I don't even know how much time we need to spend on this one. Melbourne, <laughs> uh, honestly, if, if you were a Melbourne fan... And I, I, I tweeted out the meme of uh, it's uh, of the water boy. I was trying to remember which Adam Sandler movie it was. The water boy, where Rob Schneider's like he's in the crowd and the crowd's going crazy. And he's like, "Oh no, we suck again!" And that's exactly what it is like with Melbourne. I just cannot believe this team that they look good for one week, two weeks, and that's why you can never trust them. And I remember a few weeks ago, uh, one of the listeners on Twitter mentioned about giving them credit for 
their defensive play against Adelaide and North Melbourne. And, it's, and I didn't want to do it because I said, I don't trust them. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say they deserve credit for beating North Melbourne and Adelaide because they're going to let you down. You know they're going to do it. And the first quarter last night, they got blown out. And, and overall, this was just an absolute stinker. And Melbourne and now find themselves out of the eight again. It's unbelievable. With the run home they had, they look like they're in the box seat and they've just shit all over themselves in this one. Yeah, well, they had that you know, the opportunity against the Bulldogs, spewed that one up, and then with a huge win against St. Kilda, and then to lose. you got Sydney, then Fremantle in your next two. You had to win both of those, and it's not that it's impossible for them because they can knock off Fremantle next week, and then they have the Giants at the Gabba, which is looming to be an absolutely massive game, which could decide you know, who gets the final spot in the eight. But that is that is one where they've absolutely just gifted that uh, that spot up at the moment, and now they have to rely on some other results to go their way. Uh, and look, they had, they had enough of the footy again. I mean, the disposal count was pretty even. The Demons were plus three there. But Melbourne, plus 11. In inside 50s. They had 45 inside 50s uh, and could only manage six goals. So I know they kicked poorly and it was six goals 10. It looked like it was a little bit windy up there, but it's just uh, it's just not good enough. And uh, ultimately, in the clearances, they got beaten. And it was the two veterans for Sydney, which is kind of funny because we spoke a lot about Sydney and the young guys coming through. Uh, Robottom, certainly one of those, who the last couple of weeks has sort of faded out. And I think it's coincided with the fact that Josh Kennedy's come back into the team. Between Kennedy... And Luke Parker in this game, they had uh, 11 clearances. And they were really dominant in that area of the game. Sydney's been really good. And they've got a bunch of young guys coming through. They knocked off GWS a couple of weeks ago. So Sydney is no longer a gimme. And I think they kind of were at the start of the season. I think they've eased into it. I think more games into the younger guys has made them more competitive. But either way, if you want to play finals, you just you can't afford. You can't afford to do this. And I think there's so many different factors going into this season. I mentioned on yesterday's podcast the fact that Melbourne have travelled from Cairns, Alice Springs, Adelaide, uh, the Gabba in the last four weeks. They've been absolutely all over the place. But I don't know. You can't afford to have excuses right now, and uh, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, look, that is a tough thing for Melbourne, all that travel. But again, they with how they started the season, then you know, these excuses go out the window because you could have won those games earlier on in the year. And then you wouldn't have that problem at, at the moment in trying to you know, explain away these poor performances, which most likely uh, are going to cost you a spot in the finals, which this team, after what happened to them last year, desperately needed and their fan base needed and they fought back hard and it looks like they're going to piss it away again. Speaking of pissing it away again, Carlton, I, I you know, I was watching this game last night and given the Melbourne result, coming into the game, if Carlton had have won this game, they would have put themselves right back in the mix, unbelievably. But we spoke yesterday about the fact that they've got a couple of easy games. And by the way, you're setting me up. They played Brisbane in the final round. I double-checked that after we stopped oh, recording. So they have got I? Brisbane. So, what am I talking oh about? Oh, my God. It's just, a, it's just an absolute mess at the end of yesterday's pod. It but <laughs> Carlton had an opportunity again. And they blew it again. And they were outscored by 24 points in the fourth quarter against GWS. And we can get into the Giants a little bit. But to be scored by 20, outscored by 24 points... In one quarter, you might say, well, reduced quarters, that has to be one of their worst quarters for the season. Has to be. Well, it wasn't. It was their sixth worst quarter of the season. Geelong outscored them by 33. Melbourne outscored them by 32. Hawthorne by 32. Richmond by 31. And Collingwood by 26. That's back-to-back weeks. They've given up leads in the fourth quarter. They just can't stop goals. And honestly, watching this game, I, I said this last week, earlier in the week, so I don't know if I need to repeat themselves, but I don't know whether it's structurally... 
the fact that they keep get, giving away goals out the back or guys just don't work hard enough on this team, I'm not sure, but there's there's something wrong. Yeah, look, it's been a, a consistent theme with Carlton and it's at the start of the year, it was first quarters that were the problem. Yeah. Why are Carlton giving up you know, six goal leads in the first quarter continually? And then it's just be turned into other areas of the game. And now it's second halves, apparently, where they can't score. They kicked, what, another one goal here in this second half um, and got piled on in the fourth. It's just like, is it... And it's, I don't think it's just... You know, we talk about inconsistency, and you mentioned even with Ollie Florent before, young players often have that problem. But this Carlton team is not just all young players. There's Murphy, there's Kerno, there's Doherty, there's you know, Cade Simpson, obviously. Cripps is not young. Like he's you know, mid mid to prime. Eddie Betts, Mitch McGovern, Levi Casbolt, Liam Jones. There's a bunch of guys here who are prime or older veteran players who are part of their prime moving brigade. That that's what inconsistency really shouldn't be happening with those guys around. And I don't really and I don't really know what the what the issue is, because it's it's not it's not a start problem. It's not a finish problem. It's just an all-round overall, however many games we put, minutes we play in a game now, consistency issue. Yeah, there's a couple of things I, that I that stood out to me with their team, and maybe they're a little bit slow. I think that's one thing. They do look like they're a little bit slow when you talk about GWS getting goals out the back, and in the fourth quarter there was one to Riccardi, then it was also one to Perryman, which by the way was a fantastic spoil to open up that opportunity. But they're consistently getting goals kicked out the back like that. Easy ones. And GWS couldn't kick last night at all. They were one goal nine at halftime, one goal ten I think they got to early in the third quarter. I mean, they were giving Carlton every single opportunity. The other thing for their team balance, I'm not sold on Mitch McGovern. I don't know where he fits in this team. I look at the forward line, and they do actually look really dangerous. Eddie, even though Eddie's dropped off a little bit, and we know, like, is he going to play next year? How much has he got left in the tank? I'm not sure. But Eddie Betts is still dangerous down there. He certainly looked dangerous when he's had time to to move and room and space to operate. Jack Martin's had a fantastic season. And then you've got Harry Mackay that at times looks like he's going to mark anything. And if you give him a one-on-one, I'd almost back him at this point. And then Levi Casbold is the guy up the ground. So Mitch McGovern for mine is just, he just doesn't really fit. And this is going back a fair way because I know he's missed a couple of games. But he's only kicked, he's gone goalless now in four of his last five games. And I, I just don't know. I don't know where Mitch McGovern fits. I know they're paying this guy a hell of a lot of money. But especially when you consider that Charlie Kerno is going to play next year, I'm just not sure that Mitch McGovern is in the in the future plans of this team. I don't see where he fits. I, I would agree with that. Like He occasionally puts his hand up and has some decent performances, but he's had three games this year where he's had double-digit possessions. Like That's, yeah. that's not many. Um, he's had three games where he's kicked two goals. He hasn't kicked a goal in the last three weeks. His forward pressure is okay, but I wouldn't say it's fantastic. And as you said, when Kerno returns, like is it Kerno, um, yeah, Casbolt, McGovern? Like are you playing three bigs down there, and then you got Cruiser. What do you run Cruiser and Pitney together? And that's another big who has to sit down in the fourth. Like I, I'm not sure. He's, he's definitely not standing out enough to me to be that guy where you go. Oh, I'm 100 comfortable with a what we're paying him and if he's just clogging up everything for the other players in that forward line, because it's just, it's been a consistent issue all season. I know Carlton fans have been pissed off at him plenty of times with his potential lack of effort or lack of even presenting to, to get to the contest, which is always something you want to look at with a key forward. And he seems to be really, really down in those, um, in those areas and just not providing that, that level of, um, 
that level of attack or, or level of presence that's needed? As far as GWS go, again, just pretty scratchy, I thought. And I, I still think that they're stuck in the middle of the way they're trying to move the ball forward. I thought in the last quarter they opened it up and shout out to Riccardi again. Uh, he really lifted them. Two goals in the fourth quarter. It's only his third game. It's kind of scary how much they rely on him. But the other guy that, that just, I mean, he, he carried the Giants to this win. It's Nick Haynes, and he's a star, and we know that. He's probably, he's going to be All-Australian again. I have no doubt about that. 13 intercepts, five score involvements, 21 disposals, eight marks altogether, 536 meters gained. He was best on ground by a mile. And I'm actually staggered when I watch GWS every single time. Some of the intercept marks that he even bothers to attempt. It's crazy to me. There's, I, I just, there's not many other players that would even try to take some of the intercept marks he would when he could easily get away with spoiling the ball away. His confidence is absolutely ridiculous. He's a star. And while the Blues had momentum, for certainly for sections of this game, it was always Nick Haynes that was slowing, slowing them down. Yeah, it was. He's, he's one of the best intercept defenders in the league. You got, yeah, we talk about Jeremy McGovern, McGovern a lot. Um, yeah, Haynes is a little bit of a different player. To McGovern, um, actually, out of those two, who do you think is a more valuable piece in a in a team defense? Uh, Haynes, because I, I I think you need the running defender. There's no doubt about that. Like that's an absolute essential item in a 2020 AFL team. But Haynes is the guy that if you don't, because those those situations I just spoke about, if if you don't go for the mark there and you spoil it, you might still be a great defender. But you give the Blues crummers, and Jack Martin looked pretty dangerous at ground level last night. So by taking those marks, you don't even give them the opportunity. So I, I think Haynes. But, uh, you know, you kind of need both. Where do you sit? I think it's Haynes as well because his ability yeah. to intercept is huge. McGovern is great at reading the ball, but I think Haynes just has that extra that extra gear in terms of his ground level play and his yeah, run true. and his disposal, and he gets the ball more and he can link up. And he's, I think his kicking skills are probably a little bit better as well. Um, so I think they are slightly different players. Where Haynes is more of a, a, a he's not small, but he's not not a huge tall guy. Like he's 193 centimeters, so he's a decent height, but he's not the 198, 199 type. But he can play tall, and then he can also run off and, and gain those meters and hit targets coming out of defense as well. Big game tonight, Bruce and Collingwood, and again another one of those ones that not only impacts the bottom of the eight, and Collingwood could. Just about shore up a spot in the eight. I don't think anyone thinks they're going to drop off at this point anyway. But if they win, they will just completely separate themselves from that seventh and eighth position with St. Kilda, GWS, and the chasing pack. While for the Lions, if they lose, their top four spot is still in jeopardy. We know there's a clear top five right now. Port Adelaide, Richmond, Geelong, Brisbane, West Coast. One of those really damn good teams is going to miss out on the double chance. And these are the type of danger games for Brisbane. Collingwood looks like they're starting to figure things out a little bit. It's a must win. Maybe they get the boost. They get the boost from the, the grand final. Maybe they're feeling good about themselves, get that home final chance to get a home grand final this year. But a uh, huge game. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it is a massive one. Now, Collingwood's not going to be able to change their ladder position in uh, in, in this round. But yeah. if they don't win this, they... They sit on 34, and they uh, would have played 15 games, the same as Richmond. And they're the only two teams that have played the 15, so their bye is still coming up. But that means that St. Kilda and the Giants, with wins next week, can uh, leap ahead of them and push them down into that danger zone. And then they could be sitting with Melbourne and with the Bulldogs uh, on that fringe area. Whereas Brisbane, they win this. They go to equal top and just behind Port on percentage. It's a game where I don't even know which for which team it's more important. 
Um, I'd say it's maybe for Collingwood, but yeah, Brisbane needs this because if they want to be a, a premiership threat, they can't, well, not they can't, you, you shouldn't want to fall out of the top four. You want to be up there. I think they should have the edge, but they haven't been at their best. Brisbane, we saw them you know, squeak over the line against North Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. They're not at their best. Collingwood's not at their best, but still getting wins. Both teams are. So I think it's going to be a really, really important game. And we've highlighted you know, Collingwood's forward line issues over the course of the season. We've highlighted Brisbane's defensive strength, and they get Daniel Rich back in this one as well to go with Harris Andrews down there. So, you know, how do we see? I think that's probably where it's won and lost in terms of, yeah, can Collingwood kick some scores? Can your boy Mason Cox get on the scoreboard again like he has the last couple of weeks? Where does Harris Andrews go? You know, who does he match up on? I, I think that's the matchup we want to look at. Yeah, me too. Because Collingwood last week started to, I mean, they looked like they found a better rhythm. But again, it was against that Carlton team where teams can get a bit of a run on. So how much do you take from that? Now they're coming up against the Brisbane team that uh, we know. We know one of the best back sixes in the league. Got Harris Andrews, Darcy Gardner, Grant Birchall. And as you mentioned, Daniel Rich comes back into that team. So the question for me will be around not only Mason Cox. He has been a target. I thought he was fine last week. He did at least gave them a point of reference to get the ball in long. And most of the time, he will contest. Most of the time. But again, there's never been a player in the history of the AFL that uh, during every single broadcast and every single game, if he gets one possession, a singular performance in the prelim final gets brought up. There's literally no other player in the league that it happens. Mason Cox takes one mark, and all of a sudden, the commentator just can't stop themselves. They cannot stop themselves from bringing up the prelim against Richmond a couple of years ago. But he was okay last week. And they actually dropped Darcy Cameron. So we spoke about him during the season. I thought that he looked more natural as that uh, forward, a tall forward for Collingwood. So they've dropped Darcy Cameron. They've gone with Mason Cox. And they've brought in Max Lynch. Max Lynch, yeah. 200-centimeter big man. So Cameron out, Max Lynch, Max Lynch in. For some reason, I don't exactly know what he looks like, but I'm just picturing Quentin Lynch in my head. So if he's not wearing a glove, I'm going to be very disappointed. But it's the mid-range guys. So Brody Majacek, Jaden Stevenson. Will Hoskin Elliott. Last week, they started to look like 2019 version of those teams and 2018 version of those teams where they were all dangerous. So uh, I think that's going to be, where, as you sort of pointed to, the key matchups. I think in the end, Harris Andrews stands next to Mason Cox. He's a great intercept marker. He's definitely going to read the ball better than Mason Cox in the air. Uh, so I, I think that is Mason Cox able to be a factor? Is he able to bring the ball to ground? I think that that could go a long way. Uh, to Collingwood being able to kick a score. Well, Kane, we've seen Mason Cox be a factor before. Remember that preliminary final? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's honestly, it's true though. They can't help themselves. They have to bring it up every single time he plays. It's unbelievable. That the the Lynch one is interesting to me though because yeah, Cameron we've seen have an impact as as a forward. You know, moving into the ruck into the ruck. Uh, and I think he moves pretty well now. Lynch, 21 years old, 2016 rookie draft selection. So he's been around for a few years. This is his first game, 200 centimeters. So we've got Grundy, we've got Lynch, we've got Cox. We're on three pretty big blokes here in this yeah. in this team. And none of them are what I'd call, you know, Mason Cox is a forward, but he's a forward because he can't play full-time in the ruck. But he's not a dangerous type forward. I don't think Lynch is going to be down there taking grabs. It was a weird, weird choice. And then you've got like Thomas, who's small, and Phillips, who isn't big, and Hoskin Elliott, uh, who isn't big up in that forward line, Jamie Elliott uh, around it as well. Mychek, you know, I think Mychek's you know, a solid enough mid to big size forward, but it is an interesting mix of three ruckmen 
and no other real tall forward in that mix. And Stevenson is, I don't know, I don't think you call him a tall forward. I don't know what, I don't know how I put Jaden Stevenson. He's a yeah. small, medium forward who plays small and sometimes big, but sometimes disappears and kicks goals from the boundary. I don't, I don't know how to like describe what he does. If I had to speculate, and this is complete speculation, unless there's, I, I know there's been some talk about the fact that Brody Grundy might be not 100%, maybe not yeah. at his best, but I feel like this almost confirms it because they're coming up against a Brisbane team where Oscar McInerney is the number one ruckman. So, you know, on paper, if both these guys are at their best, you love this matchup if you're Collingwood and you say, yeah, Brody Grundy, you're going to run out 85% of game time in the ruck. This will be fantastic. If we have to go to Mason Cox, we will a little bit. Grundy, you can either go to the bench. We trust our mid-sized forwards. Or you can go go rest up full forward. Go down there for a few minutes. The fact that they've actually brought in a genuine ruckman, a second genuine ruckman, to me, tells me that, uh, I don't know, there's something going on with Brody Grundy because we know that he hasn't been at his best this season. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, something to watch with him and maybe maybe the game time. I know last week uh, you were looking at game time for a few of the players. Brody Grundy might be one to watch there. As far as the rest of the weekend, because it's we're back to the daily just, uh, footy. Before, so it's before we get on to the, before we get into the rest of the weekend, I just want one thing on Grundy because you mentioned the the drop off because after the first five rounds he was getting twenty touches a week, right? Yeah. He was getting almost forty hitouts a week, and then he's had a couple of forty hitout games, but it's like twenty five to thirty. 10 disposal games, 14 disposal games are the norm. He hasn't hit 20 since the loss against uh, Essendon. He hasn't hit more than 16 since the loss, uh, so since the win against Geelong. And it's been yeah, 10, 11, 16, 10, 15, 15, 12 disposals. And disposals aren't everything for a Rockman. For, for, for Grundy, they are. That is yeah. the, one of the major things that he does. He's really good on the hitouts, but he kills you around the ground. He's kicked two goals only for the year. Um, last goal was against Fremantle. He is just not taking you know, many grabs. He's just, I don't know. It's just a weird. There has to be some sort of injury. And as you see, he hasn't been right. And there was some concern a few weeks ago that he wasn't going to play and how he was, how he was traveling. But look, he's had three score involvements in the last two weeks. This is a guy that you had nine in round one and normally would get, you know, four to five a game, but three in the last two, he had 61 meters gain. Like he is just way off where he was, and these um, these things sort of do confirm that. But yeah, we have, do have more games over the weekend as the new round does kick off, round 16. Um, so what, what are we looking for there? Yeah, just quickly, I know we're probably pretty close to wrapping this up, but there is a couple of interesting games with top eight implications. Port Adelaide should beat uh, North Melbourne. I don't, I don't think there should be any concern there on the Saturday. So only one game on the Saturday, very strange. Uh, on the Sunday, though, we've got a, a triple header, and all three games are interesting. St. Kilda and Hawthorne, we know the Saints dropped one that they would have liked to get against Melbourne last week. And now they get Hawthorne on the rebound. And does that mean anything with this, year, this year's Hawks? So. I don't know. Probably not. But we'll see whether the Hawks have anything or this is just going to be an easy pickings for St. Kilda to get back on the mark. Whereas the Saints, perhaps more than any other team in the eight right now, would be feeling the heat. Then we've got the Cats and the Bombers. Cats coming off a bye even though it's not a traditional buy, they haven't had uh, an extended break. It's only been nine days. We know what the Cats are like coming off a buy in Essendon, as we mentioned at the top, no Andrew McGuire. Then your fellas, what, what what can they do? Can they help out the Cats? Can they? Can your, can your boys help me out this weekend or what? We need to help ourselves out with this one because if the Bulldogs lose <laughs> this one, there, uh, this season feels like it, it's in the toilet because their last two games are Hawthorne and Fremantle after that. So they'd be looking to, if they get this one, they can probably you know, look to, to get three in a row and, and maybe push for the final. So that is... That's a tough one coming up against West Coast. We'll have to see whether Josh Kennedy 
does return for the Eagles. We know that Shuey's going to be out with that hamstring injury, so that's that's a boost for the Bulldogs' chances in, in that game. But all these games, there is you know, real uh, implications here. Geelong, Essendon, Bulldogs, West Coast, St. Kilda, Hawthorne, those ones uh, that Sunday, it's some real, real um, interesting performances that are going to have some shape or form some of the shape of the final eight. And then we got you know games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after that as well. And this is the week, as I said, Collingwood-Richmond have that bye. So making that Collingwood game tonight even more important because they could get overtaken uh, in the next couple of days. No doubt. I think by the time we get together again on Monday, we'll have an even clearer indication of where everything lies as uh, Round 16 will continue through Tuesday or Wednesday, and then we'll get stuck straight into the next round as well. So it's really heating up. Only three games left for most of these teams now before finals. Still, and and it's kind of crazy. Still, everything is on the line. So it's going to be pretty exciting once again. It is. Kane, thank you again for another episode of Locked On AFL. Guys, you can subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well. And I will leave you today with a shout-out to Greg Stafford.